This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to IGN Game School. <laughs> For uh, the, our, our listeners out there, if you're looking into our video, I am uh, hosting IGN Game Scoop today in lieu of Damon Hatfield, Hatfield, if you will. Uh, and I am joined to today on this very special episode 667. Just go with it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Samuel Claiborne. Hey, everybody. Good to see y'all. Justin Davis. The, the, everyone can hear in your voice you're wearing a hat. Even if they even if they can't see you. Thank you for clarifying that though. (laughs) And of course, special returning guest, Swaim, Michael Swaim, say hello. Omega Cops Assemble. (laughs) Indeed. All right, that's enough of the hat. Um, we've got a great show for you guys today. Uh Sony had its first state of the uh, state of play of the year. We'll have a quick update on March, which happens to be relevant to the Sony State of Play as well. And some great questions from the community. Thank you guys so much in the Facebook group for for sharing some really lovely conversation topics. We will be going over some of those later. But first. I need to talk to Swaim right now, and uh, I need Swaim to talk to our listeners. Swaim, what are you what are you doing to me personally? Oh, How are you personally? Oh, you personally? Right yes, I need you to explain yourself. Letting you down, disappointing <laughs> you, <laughs> pulling the rug out from under your feet, and Basically. just uh, demolishing your spirits. I assume because it's my uh, solemn duty to announce that I'm in fact moving on from IGN. Uh, I got a gig. Uh, a narrative design role. And all I'm allowed to say is that it's for a video game for a a dev team that's brand new and has not announced themselves. Uh, It's an IP related game, which means maybe it'll suck. But all I know is I'll get a writing credit. Gosh, darn it. (laughs) So um, after two years and some change uh, and just a fabulous time with this incredible team, 
Uh, this is my last game scoop. Unless you invite me back as a guest, in which case I'll be back and no one will notice the difference. <laughs> hey, I have 19 or 20 questions for you. Uh, does this mm-hmm. game have multiplayer? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. By definition, it has to. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, it's oh, yeah. based we'll, on we'll, a novel. We'll I'll say that. Mm. Cormac That's McCarthy's The Road. Know. That's right. It's we never road. asked that one. We never asked that. Is this is based, based on, on a novel? <laughs> Does that count? Is, is it based on a license? Very sad survival yeah. game based on the road. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm sure we will find out in uh, five years, two years, whenever whenever your That's game right. comes About out. That's right. About two but, years. Yeah. yeah cool. All right. Well, very good fit for you. We're going to miss you on a day to day. And Thank we you. thought this would be a nice opportunity Real. to bring you back onto the podcast before you are permanently shunned from it forever. Absolutely. <laughs> I, will, I yeah. treasure my time at IGN. <laughs> Remain a fan. Yeah. We'd love to have you on. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So Sony State of Play, everybody got a chance to watch the festivities this week. Mm-hmm. It was a short one. Sony um, prepped us in advance. They mentioned it would be mostly from um, not their first party studios, although we did get a bit of a surprise with Returnal there, Housemark being one of PlayStation studios mm-hmm. now. Um, but otherwise, it was a lot of uh, indie titles and other titles from Japanese based developers. Uh, just to, to scroll down a quick list of some titles that I pulled out and we can get in deeper into incrementally the stuff that popped out to us. But uh, there was an announcement of Capcom's Exo Primal, which people were thought was a Dino Crisis. It is not. I Dino know Crisis. a little I, bit of a different vibe. Uh, that's exactly yeah. what happened. That I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I was hoping other people got into that. I'm not the biggest Dino Crisis fan in the world, but mm-hmm. that's exactly how it felt to me. That was my question. Are people loyal to Dino Crisis? Is that a big deal? To- yeah, well, I think people want a Dino Crisis remake because there's been Resident Evil remakes. So because those are of the same era and of the same developer, it's like, why not? Yeah. And also dinosaurs are just underrepresented in games in general. <laughs> in a weird way, actually, like despite Horizon having just recently come out with right. that release and then Exo Primal on the showcase, it made me think like, why aren't there more regular appearances of dinosaurs and robo dinosaurs? That's why games? we don't ask other dinosaurs in it very often in 20 questions. Either. Yeah, Not really. Maybe it, it narrows down to greater. <laughs> there you go. Um, also on display was Ghostwire Tokyo. We got a new trailer. It was a little bit more story focused on the ones we've gotten in the past. Um, that's a PS5 exclusive coming out on March 25th. Mm. Um, I saw a lot of the IGN commenters talking about it, uh, relating back to Doctor Strange, like having a bit of a Doctor Strange vibe uh, from like a m- multiverse perspective. I don't know. Did you guys get any inklings of that? I'm surprised how magic it is, how it's like, it's like, yeah. it looks like Fusro Da a whole lot, you know? It's like, yeah. you're doing these the incantations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's, I didn't even make that connection. Yes. That's what Dr. Strange does you, all the you time. Don't, I, don't, the I doubt you have like a, a necklace to go with it, but you do do a lot of like hand symbols. Absolutely. Like there's some yeah. goofy ones too. And they're, and it's just like, yeah, I didn't expect that. And it looks like, I mean, I really like the feeling in games of like, basically silly spell casting throwing fireball type stuff and like there you go we just we're seeing it on the video right now it's if it's all that like i'm in um this game looks fun it looks like you're walking around beating up monsters in tokyo like it just looks great yeah the sort of skrillex sound when you reach into a ghost and they pixelate away and you like Mm -hmm. grab their heart and crush it really got me going i'm into that (laughs) yeah i think it's really cool a lot of fun yeah I didn't make that like I see the Doctor Strange connection now, although I I would I didn't like pick up on that at the time I was watching it during the state of play. Um it was definitely the highlight of the of the show for me. Same looks here. Like a, looks like a great video game. Yeah, like a, a really fun gamey 
video game where there's a lot of like, if you look at today, we actually, today as we're recording this, this is Thursday, March 10th. Um, we got 18 minutes of exclusive gameplay as a bit of a follow-up to the Sony State of Play. That's on the site and all our channels right now. You can get a little bit more of an idea of it's, it's consecutive gameplay. So you can get more of an idea of combat, some missions, some side missions. Some of them are really sad. They're like abandoned lost spirits and you have to you know, find an item or you talk to them and they're telling you about like the existence that they came from. I don't completely understand the like dimensional creatures and dimensional spirits, but I'm sure we will. Well, they're all evil, fifth. though, right? All universe. No, every single they're evil, so, but tragic. That's the thing but, with Japanese yeah. ghosts. Ghosts must that's be busted. That's true. Yeah. You always but find you out their deal and them. you're like, oh, that's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry then, that yeah. I But then after you. that, you bust them anyway, though, right? Yeah. Well, you got to bust them. They gotta be busted. <laughs> got to be busted. Got to bust them. <laughs> yeah, but um, then you you know you sing a little song for them at the end. Just that's that's where the yeah. empathy comes back around. But I guess the, is, the thing is that you don't always need to bust with weapons. You can sometimes bust with words and emotions. Mm-hmm. I like how Justin just winced. <laughs> I just we're we're on thin ice on this one. Silently winced. <laughs> um, I do. You know, Tina, you you pointed out that this game feels like a very video gamey game, or it seems like mm-hmm. it's going to be that. And I, I, I actually. I feel that. And like there was this trend that lasted like a decade of like games being very movie like, right? And cinematic. And it's not like that's gone completely. Like there's still plenty of cinematic movie like games. But like I, I, we are experiencing this kind of shift back into, you know, like Elden Ring is another very video gamey game. And um, uh, that sort of gameplay at the front and center and, and a lean away from kind of the, the, you know, playable movie kind of thing or, or a game like, you know, Kojima really swung in that direction with the later Metal Gear Solid games, but then Death Stranding is really gameplay first. So, you know, I don't know. It's interesting just to see that kind of ebb and flow. And it's a gorgeous game so far from what we've seen too, like really incredible colors, like Tokyo looks amazing. The mm-hmm. reflections are, I feel like reflections are a big next gen visual these days, but the reflections are pretty incredible. And there's a lot of like rainbow lights, um, especially in our, our gameplay clip of uh, 18 minutes of gameplay that we put up there too. So it's, it looks- uh, it's definitely a Tina game. Yeah. I, I think it's a Sam game. I, I, uh, I really like um, you know, Shinji Mikami, who's behind the studio. Uh, did the Evil Within games before this, you know, those were after his run at Resident Evil and other horror games, right? And this, like, specifically from the start has been, you know, marketed, I guess, but really just kind of in interviews and stuff, people were talking about it on that team as, a, as an action game. And um, that's awesome because for very few people I know, this is like something that I love, but when Resident Evil went to an action series, I thought it was great. And I really like action Resident Evil and action horror games as opposed to survival horror games. Now, Evil Within did a really good job kind of balancing that, but it was, an, it was a survival horror like kind of successor series. But like, if this is the evolution of that into like the Resident Evil 4 slash 2 3 remake era, like, I'm so in. Love that stuff. And then also a kind of another kind of gamey game that I'm looking forward to is Forspoken. That got delayed this week. It's now coming out October 11th. Um, but they followed up with a new gameplay trailer confirming the October 11th date. Um, and uh, it, it's very magical as well in the same way that you just have a lot of ranged abilities. And it seems like you have these insane area of effect damage abilities, too. So there's a lot of spectacle going on in, in the gameplay footage that we saw. What did you guys think? Still looking forward to it? Yeah, it, it puts an interesting 
emphasis on it seems like you know i'm curious to see how it plays but like based off the gameplay demo and like the vibe that they're putting forward a lot of emphasis on traversal and movement and moving while doing things which you know you're used to kind of being planted in place when you're casting magic in games or not being quite as mobile as you are in forspoken so i'm interested to see how that plays out in practice it's almost like it's be like bayonetta vibes almost Mm. Mm, yeah and they certainly love their backflip animation we saw about (laughs) 50 yep. times in the span of a couple minutes. <laughs> That's true. Now, am I correct in thinking this is what we saw the Unreal 5 engine demo in way back when? Wasn't that a bit of forespoken or am I wrong about that? Well, is that the one where the woman like went through the cave? Through crib- yeah, that's just a standalone yeah. thing. Okay. But people gotcha. did make that connection, myself included. Swain. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it felt very familiar. The protagonist looked a little bit similar at the time. The traversal was really similar. Yeah, there's a well, desert environment, right? Like it's that's, mm-hmm. that's similar too. And the wide angle lens, I just think it's it's really yeah. cool to start seeing the mm-hmm. draw distance that we have with the new gen consoles being shown off in a real way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you're flipping around and you jump way up in the air and you can see just thousands and thousands of feet and into the distance, that's really cool. Absolutely. And now, given that um, this was a focus on Japanese developers, a lot of people were expecting Final Fantasy 16, mm-hmm. which did not happen. That was not one of the big <laughs> reveals um, of, of this state of play. Uh, but Square did have a presence um, on the show. They had two games. Uh, the one I wanted to shout out is a Final Fantasy game of sorts, a Stranger of Paradise, um, Final Fantasy Origin by by Team Ninja that's coming out on March 18th. Um, and then they also had a showcase around Valkyrie Elysium, uh, which is the next entry in a series that we haven't seen since 2006. So there certainly was a Square presence, but no yeah. Final Fantasy 16. Was that a bummer for you guys? I didn't realize yes. that Valkyrie is connected to other Valkyrie games. I was too excited seeing something that reminded me of Final Fantasy Tactics because Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite games of all time. So the sort of dollhouse feel and the turn-based combat really got me. I forget even which one. That wasn't the Elysium one. That was the other one. Not good on square names. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot and they intersect with each other often. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But absolutely love that sort of dollhouse look and just I'm very excited for that one. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to judge a book by its cover and the game will get reviewed and we'll see how it turned out. But I, I'm not very excited for Stranger in Paradise. It's like it's such a mismatch between like on paper, like it's a triple A remake of the original Final Fantasy and it's made by Team Ninja. I'm like, OK, let's go sign me up. But like I just it's not quite delivering based off the early looks we're getting at so far. And, you know, I hope to be proven wrong on that and hope that maybe just the trailers aren't aren't putting their best foot forward and the game turned out great. But um hard for me to stay super enthusiastic about that, even though it's ticking the right boxes on paper based off the early looks we've seen so far. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I, I don't, this is not my type of game I think to play, but I love final fantasy one and Mm -hmm. stranger of paradise is supposed to be like some, like, it's kind of like a, it's like a mirror. That's what is it called? Star Trek. It's called the mirror universe. I think I, yeah. well, I love Star Trek. So uh, yeah. It's embarrassing. Mirror to me universe. Yes. Mirror universe. <laughs> it's like a dark retelling of that universe. And it's really funny because like, you know, <clears throat> like the first dinky boss in that game or somebody you fight is like Garland. And like the character in this game is Jack Garland. Like it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's like cooling up final fantasy one. And final fantasy one is like really dorky. It has yeah. uh pirates dwarves, elves, and, uh, you know, like, four elemental beasts. Like, it's really Dungeons & Dragons-y. Um, it's, well, they're it's called not... Jack Dwarves now. 
much cooler. <laughs> it also it also has the most kick-ass Final Fantasy song of all time with Natoya's Cave. Yeah, and one like what would you say like you know 20, 20 pixel cube area? It's just the tiniest little thing. Um, it's incredible. I, yeah, it's really funny. Um, but yeah, like the the idea. I just think the idea of exploding Final Fantasy one and making a bunch of references to it is so fun and cool. And I don't know if this should, this shell of this game is going to draw me into it just based on the gameplay that I've seen, but I just can't wait to basically read a plot synopsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Justin, to your point too, you know, some games don't show super well in trailers and um, that's why it's good that which got a demo uh, to uh, that released yesterday. One of the games got it. Oh, it was that one. Stranger, Stranger, Stranger of Paradise. Paradise got a demo. Yeah. Did, is the one game that got a demo. So, uh, you know, I think that's a good compliment. We were just talking about demos, I think, on last week's episode. You know, mm. do we feel like the industry needs more of these things, yeah. and especially for these games. Yeah, that, that they don't market well. They don't show well in trailers. They're more of an investment um, in the in progression and in its systems. I think it's good to have that kind of duo. When's yeah. the last I mean, time someone here played a demo? Is that something you, that's that you actually ingest? I don't think I've played uh, a demo in maybe. I played Kirby. Years. You know, I, play, I like yeah. Nintendo demos when they come out before a game is released. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Not like Metro, I just came out after. If you if you can carry over your save, like I, you know, the Cyberpunk demo is five hours, and that's your save. Like if you buy the game, you just keep playing right like that's that's the way to do it. If it's technically feasible for the demo you're mm-hmm. putting out, otherwise, but we're making a call for more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to invest in a demo. Otherwise, if you're just going to have to do it again, if you liked it. Yeah, and as as journalists, we might even preview a game. We try to avoid having the same author preview the same game multiple times over. Yeah. Um, but on occasion, especially, you know, we're lucky. We, you know, at IGN, we have a pretty big staff. Um, but I've worked at smaller staffs before, and uh, we've had to double up on previews. And at a point of time, you played like the same level five times, and then the game yeah. comes out, and you have to play it the sixth time. It's, it's a little bit different like- the sixth time. It's tough to boohoo about like, oh, poor me getting to play these mm-hmm. video games early before the rest mm-hmm. of the world. But like as a fan, like there really is truth to that, right? Like, OK, let's do these opening hours again after seeing them hands off and now playing it hands on and then playing it on mm-hmm. a couple different consoles. Like it, it can be a lot sometimes. Yeah, and I'm so blessed enough to have access to games pretty early on if I want them. It reminds me of when I came of age in real because candy used to be the thing that I thought about all the time and craved and was just like <laughs> looking for excuses to get candy. And mm-hmm. there I reached an age where I realized I can just buy candy. I can buy giant bags of candy and it's <laughs> fairly cheap. Um, so at this point, I always just wait for the game to come out. But I also wait for shows to finish before I binge them. So I might be the wrong guy to ask. You know, Michael? there's nothing. There's no law that you can't buy a birthday cake anytime you want. Just eat it. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. That's true. Um, uh, well, there, I mm-hmm. think there should be <laughs> laws about that. That's cool. Yes. You're not a sweets person. You're you're ruining it for the rest of us sweets people. That's right. And I yeah. will legislate against it if I have the opportunity. Yeah, you don't have a vote in this. I think. Uh, so I have saved uh, a couple of other um, games uh, to, for the for the end of our discussion around uh, the state of play. That are more on the daily game track because it felt it felt worth Ooh. saving until the end. So one was um, a kaiju brawler Gigabash is coming to PS4 and PS5. Um, mm. So that was just an extension of uh, there. Uh, and then Returnal Ascension is an up a massive update to Returnal, uh, which I still have not played, but I might now because you actually get campaign co op with yeah. everything but the new survival mode that they're adding all on March twenty second. Um, so I forget who on the panel has played Returnal or will you play Returnal now? 
I played it. I gave up on Biome 3. Uh, I have a hard time with frustratingly difficult games. Other than Sifu, for some reason, which just mm. really takes me back to like Streets of Rage and feels so funny. Every hit feels so connected and mm, crisp that I love it. But uh, yeah, Returnal <laughs> was just too tough for me, for better or worse. And yeah, I have trouble with those. Why I'm loving Elden Ring because you can just run away. You can just run away. It's really <laughs> just nice. run away. <laughs> It's true. That is a valid tactic. Um, but man, you can't beat the art direction, right? Like Returnal is such a cool world. Everything in it is so beautifully designed. So I think I might grab it, play it for a while and give up. And and that's fine. You know, you can engage with the art however you need to. Just find can somebody you... really good to like backpack you through the game. Exactly. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, th- that's exactly my point of view. I always celebrate when there's co-op for campaign in any game. I think more games should do that. Forget demos. Let's put co-op in literally everything. And to be fair, I think, you know, Housemark had some initial concepts about Returnal where they wanted it to be this like stark, dark, kind of lonely, um, troublesome experience. But everything's more fun with co-op and, you know, creates these moments where where people like us can play together and we can Mm -hmm. maybe survive throughout the end of the game. Yeah, I think it's fun when there's a game like that where it's like, okay, this this should be presented in this like serious way, but like we're also all playing video games here, so like it's totally mm-hmm. fine to get get goofy with it. And the best example of that recently is like Resident Evil Two Remake. Um, that game is like really stressful to play through and really mm-hmm. scary and fun, uh, but you can play through as a block of tofu after you. Yeah, it's no, yeah. no problem. They don't care. It's true. Returnal is another very video gamey game. I just want to point out. Very like very like gameplay forward like yeah it's um it's a thing Mm -hmm. and it involves a time loop mechanic so I wonder if there's any chance like are you just playing as yourself from an alternate reality I could do that real Mm. yeah if there's a lore justification for why there's some other person running around with you yeah always yeah it's your alter ego yeah Mm -hmm. from another time zone. Well, Swaim, I'm glad you mentioned Sifu because um, the second to last game, as we call the penultimate game on my list to discuss, is Trek to Yomi, which to me felt like a hybrid of... What, what did you think I was going to say, Swaim? Cowabunga collection, baby. Oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. That's <laughs> okay, the final great. one. This is the final one. So yes, yeah, this is... Meanwhile, Trek to Yomi feels like this hybrid of like a little bit of Sifu um, because there, and, and a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima in the sense of the duels um specifically so it's very stylish black and white um like an ode to old school samurai films and i feel yeah. like that makes it a bit of a dami game as well this one to me really stood out just felt very unique amongst the lineup yeah it looks so badass i, I love that this and ghost of tsushima are taking on like you just ghost of tsushima had that like kurosawa filter that they, they're taking on like the, the actual cinema quality of what you know like a japanese samurai game could look like based on like you know not like what it looked what actual samurai looked like in you know 1880 or whatever but like what they looked like in film in the yeah. 40s 50s 60s like that's so cool i think that's the the, the neatest like movement that's happening and this game looks great and like and in the in the you know they show this this kind of like sword play and stuff like that it looks all like what, whatever the game's going to be it looks kind of cool anyway but i love how they showed like the cast and, mm-hmm. you know, and then like the 2D like breaks into the 2D gameplay breaks into these like 3D cutscenes, which like look totally scary and spooky and cinematic. It's really and yet really transition cool. really well between each other, too. Like there's some side scrolling yeah. action. Here's some dual action that we're seeing now. And um, and then, yeah, those like, you know, really what you, almost on the scale of like a triple A experience you would you would expect to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, what is it? Is it a brawler? 
You know, is it a, you know, kind of a side scrolly, you know, game that is there any exploration to it? Like, I want to know so much more about this. Yeah, 100%. Same here. Well, now, Swain, you can celebrate because, yes, we are going to talk about the Kawabunga collection. I saved the best for last. Um, and I'm assuming the panel has a lot to say because we've talked about TMNT before. We've talked about retro games before. This is a package of 13 classics across um, arcade, Game Boy, NES, SNES, and Genesis titles. It is a good year for Turtles, turns out. Mean. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't wait. Uh, Turtles in Time, another famously difficult game I've never beaten. Oof. I feel like it's time. I feel like it's a coming of age moment for me. Uh, just Well, just set aside 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah? Is that so? All right. Yeah. It seemed a lot grander in my memory, but. Well, it'll cost you $10 in the arcade. Exactly. In quarters. Um, I can honestly see myself taking a weekend and going through all 13. I'm just really into it. I love the resurgence of the Ninja Turtles. I completely love everything about it. I'm a Donatello guy, so I do Mm. machines. What can I say? Is that because of the NES game that you're a Donatello guy? Because that's the only viable character to play as? Yeah, that was a big part of it. The bow staff, I think, (laughs) is the weapon that most appeals to me. Also, purple's my signature color, so there you go. Nice. Nice. It's kind of our. Sorry, go ahead, Justin. It's just an odd collection because the because the what ties them together is the IP, not like the game genre, gameplay style. It's like you know, tossing. It's like a Mega Man collection that includes Mega Man Soccer and the Mega Man fighting game, and then like four Mega Man platformers. It's like okay, like <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, but but like the ratio of hits to misses is um, it's actually very positive in this collection. So um, I think it's um, I'm pretty excited about it too. Even though it wouldn't be good objectively, it kind of makes me want that for the Simpsons games, which I don't really know. Bart escapes from Camp Nightmare and Krusty's Funhouse. I really have yeah. a soft spot for some of those bad, bad games. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Bad. I had um like probably the bad game that I've played the most in my life is Bart versus the Space Mutants, just because I love Simpsons so much. And, you know, little kid me didn't didn't understand it was a bad game. Mm-hmm. Bart's Nightmare. It's also a complicated game. Yeah, yeah, Bart's Nightmare. Then there's also Bart versus Radioactive Man. Those are that's the NES ones, including Krusty's, you know, whatever Super Funhouse. That Funhouse, that's like, like which that. is like a Lemmings yeah. type game. Mm-hmm. Love that game. Um, so Turtles Collection is made by Digital Eclipse, who uh, uh, know their stuff. Whenever they put together a collection, they include a bunch of extras, and I hope this is no different. They cool. do, um, you know, uh, first of all, they have great emulation and, and, and a really good, uh, you know, eye for detail in that emulation. So, you know, trust in that. Their, their collections so far have been spotless on the emulation front. And then they also have a lot of the features that we all like, like, you know, rewinds and lots of save states and like that type of thing. Um, those are really important, I think, for these collections. And then they include like they usually get these crazy things like scans of the original setup artwork and you know, advertisements and you know, clippings from various things. It's just like a whole museum package, which I think is really important. Now, um, they, uh, this has a couple of arcade games in it, many S games, a couple of Super Nintendo Genesis games. The games that I've never touched or played <coughs> any of are the Game Boy games. And there's three of them. And I had no idea there was three, you know, Turtles Game Boy games. And they are really funny to watch. So I can't wait to try them out. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. 
With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. You guys have a ranking or special shout out of some highlights. Where should our where should the scoop where should Scoop Nation start when they get there? So I know people really like Turtles in Time because I know uh, Tom Marks and Seth Macy have been singing that game's praises, and that's just basically an ex, you know a, a more clever, prettier follow up to TMNT, the arcade game. Which mm-hmm. I think is really, really. I mean, you know, I disparage brawlers on here all the time. Of course, that's like one of the most famous brawlers of all time. Always worth playing through once. Uh, the actual NES version of that has uh, Pizza Hut branding in it and came with a Pizza Hut coupon, which is really funny to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And uh, it has really good music. Like I think better than the arcade, the NES version is, is really cool. It's not as pretty as fun to play because it's two-player. But uh, if I had to rank them, I'd say those two arcade games followed by um, uh, you know, the, the Super Nintendo versions of those, which is not that exciting. And then maybe... For me, like I think the NES game with save states is actually playable and pretty interesting and kind of like a, you know, what if we had to make a Zelda like or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in like probably three months in 1987? Like it's just insane. It's just TMN- a really silly game. TMNT on the NES, you know, always everybody always just talks about how hard it is, including me in Slack yesterday. But like that game is really ambitious and unusual, uh, you know, for the NES era. Like it did so much more than it had to, which was it could have charged the same amount of money to just have like eight levels that you go through and beat Shredder. Like, you know, and they went way above and beyond. Yep, I agree. It's also incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah, and save states can really help with that because if you kind of, you know, walk a f- in an inch and then save, like that's kind of how you have to get through some of that later stuff. <laughs> yep. If you, if you beat Bebop and Rocksteady without, you know, you have to sacrifice Raphael to them. Yeah. 
Uh, so I uh, and that's the game where like the other characters really was the katanas. I don't know Ninja Turtles very well. Raphael. Raphael, yeah. So he and Raphael Donatello. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, my best. Leonardo the, has katanas. Leonardo, Leonardo has uh, the swords. This is why you're here, Swain. Yeah, yeah, I think the uh, the swords and the bow are like the weapons in that game, and the nunchucks and the sai like go like about as far as Link's sword in Zelda Two, and it's just impossible to do anything. Yep. Yeah, that's really the way. Funny. That's the way I, as a kid, played that game. Was like, if there's ever something like this, like you're gonna take damage. Like you're gonna take hella damage. It's like you'd always send Raph in because like you don't need him. He's the sacrificial yeah, lamb, exactly. just to make it through the hard <laughs> section. Yeah. He's cool but and, rude, but dead. And the energy so bar, and I believe every turtles game is eating pizza, which mm-hmm. I have tremendous respect for. Yeah, of course it is. No brainer. Mm-hmm. Sam, do you still have that Pizza Hut coupon? So I don't have that game in the box, so I don't have the coupon, but I have Ninja Turtles 2 in a play choice, which I believe is on location right now at the arcade because it's fun to play. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's here. But uh, it's really funny because uh, it has like a little, um, you know, it's made for play choice. So it's like a NES game in this arcade cabinet that you would have appeared alongside a much better arcade game with four players. It just it just doesn't make any sense, which I think is the greatest thing ever. And it, yeah, that's the one that has pizza ads in the background. And I have beaten the first level of that game while eating pizza. And my my uh, my play choice machine with that in it came from Pizza Place, and it has two pizza themed games in it, mm-hmm. which I think is the maximum amount because it is that and Yonoi. So the pizza yeah. owner was like, "We're we can get people eating more pizza if we get them playing games about." Pizza. Was the stick already greasy when it came? That's the real. Oh, question. it was. It was not only it, like the <laughs> grease was helping. Because it was really, it, the, you know, it was it was yeah. the root beer that really that really gums up the works. The, the Imagine is helping still the root beer. Yeah, they, yeah. The they, grease was only helping. They balance each other out. Yep, yep. They you know, like pinball it. machines and arcade machines have like a beer seal on them, so like the glass here. Yeah. Like when you when you actually spill like down this, there's like mm-hmm. a huge foam thing right here, and like it kind of like goes up and over it. <laughs> It spills all over you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I tell people sometimes, hey, you know, don't don't put your drink on the games, but I'm thinking like, because if you it's probably just gonna go all over you, you, you dummy. For your own benefit. Yeah. Yep. That's a clever design though. Yep. So yes, many March titles, um, even solely just from the state of play. But uh, I'm gonna toss to Sam now who has a March update. Yeah, because sometimes we do a what's coming out segment on here, and March is kind of crazy. We were talking about how um like, I think February is probably the best February in the history of games. And I think March is going to be a pretty good one, too. Um, that's acknowledging that the Switch and Horizon 1 Breath of the Wild came out at the same time period. But yeah, like in the next couple of weeks, we um, so we, we just got the Assassin's Creed DLC and, you know, we gave it a, a, a six. But um, I still think a lot of people like to play it because the criticism of that game is that it was more of the same. I think a lot of people want more of the same. But next next week, we have GTA 5 next gen, which is kind of interesting. Strangers of Paradise as well. And then the Mario Kart DLC. So that's really cool. Like that, that's setting up this month as, as a pretty neat month already. Right. I'm really excited for that first pack of DLC, by the way, for Mario Kart. Same. But but dude, Friday, March 25th, we get Ghostwire Tokyo, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands and Kirby all on the same day. That's going to be like yeah. a really cool March release date. But let me top it with Halo TV shows out that same. It's the day before. But like we're going to be watching that at the same time. And then and then <laughs> Moon Knight is out like a couple of days later. So right. The end of March is like kind of nuts for us. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And do we really do, for that. 
does anyone know does the is there any co-op in the kirby game at all i guess i could easily look it up uh, i just i like I to don't. play like my daughter and i played through Sackboy together and and uh mario together so i wonder if kirby would be yeah and the, awesome. and the after playing the demo it's so much like 3d land that that would make sense but who plays as the other i guess you play as like waddle d or something maybe, maybe you know? one of the waddle d's from waddle d town um yeah. but that's that's what um that's the next one for us and we're actually looking we're like in between games right now so that'll be a good one for us mm-hmm. i'm really curious still about tiny tina's wonderlands i know that they showed a lot of that but like i think if that game is like this kind of like open world shooty but like you know set in fantasy land like type of uh game mm-hmm. like that could be that could be the twist that borderlands needs absolutely i'm a little bit borderlands fatigued but i think that setting and some of the magical abilities it seems to have really reinvigorated the franchise already. And from everything we've yeah. heard from, you know, people reacting to the trailers and the previews that we've had, it seems like it's going to be a good return for Borderlands. I could also plug our fan fest. Uh, IGN did a, a fan fest uh, uh, interview with the, the cast of the Halo show. And it's like, mm-hmm. that has the most, I think, well, it's the most information period, I think out there about the Halo TV show, but like the most like cool, like, selling me on the show information, hearing that cast talk about it. And there's some news that came out of that, which I think people saw too about Master Chief's helmet and stuff like that. But like, check out that panel. Mm-hmm. It's like 15 minutes. It goes really fast. It's jam packed with content and people are not like, it's not like one of those interviews where people are like holding back and like, Oh, I don't really want to talk about this yet. They're like, let's talk about Halo. I'm a Halo fan. Like I want to talk about it. It's really cool. Yeah. Let's talk about how we're going to see Master Chief's face, which I'm personally a little bit more open minded to than apparently a lot of uh, the readership out there. And who cares? Really? Like, I love I love Halo. I love Halo and I'm invested in Halo lore, but it's not Master Chief not taking his helmet off is not a thing like it is with like the Mandalorian. where like it's a plot right. point of like the lore mm-hmm. of that character. There's absolutely no reason in the game or in game justification. It's just become a thing that's built up over the fandom over the years. So it's like, give me, give me a break. I You're do saying, like the one joke on the internet that was you, you remove the helmet just to see another helmet. <laughs> <laughs> or he just looks he's, that. he's just like hideous. It's just like, oh, <laughs> you don't match your, Shriver, so we'll you don't see. match your we'll voice at all. Do. I mean, it, you, he has to be sweaty, right? Well, I guess there could be some sort of air conditioning unit. In there. Yeah, yeah like, like sophisticated armor. Yeah, exactly. but he hasn't taken it off for like you. What's funny about the games is that you when you play them, there's usually I, I think they're like they're, they're not like out of war in which it doesn't cut, but they could be because I don't think there's minutes that are lost in, mm. in some of the campaigns, at mm. least like some of those campaigns I've played for like, you know, whatever it is, 20 hours where Master Chief has been in that outfit. Yeah. In that armor. Like it's, it's got to be pretty rough. Got a stink. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. all pale. He has a tan yep. that just stops right at his And tank. it's the same armor, even though it looks like different game to game. They've upgraded it. Like it, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's old enough that it's like covered in battle scars and stuff, right? So, well, and usually, or like from two to three, it would just be uh, this, you know, universe threatening plot ended, and he is immediately thrown yeah. into another universe ending plot. When's he showering? At yeah. least in he Phantom did- Limb, you would have a chance to shower. There's no R there's no like R and R in between missions right. for Master Chief. Like even yeah, no even, e- even when there's like, you know, whatever many, many years separating the mission, like he was out in space frozen. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't like relaxing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that wasn't the done. So this really explains the need in Death Stranding to have those little hotels that Norman Reed stays in every night. Mm-hmm. So when he mm-hmm. does remove his helmet in the show, everyone should just wince at the stench, but not mention it. 
Right. Unless, I mean, he's like a, you know, modified human being, right? Like a kind of super powered human being. So maybe they've just removed no the pores. need for sweat glands. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems to regulate a lot of things. It's like a dog. He sweats to the very time. It's got a pant. Yeah. <laughs> there is pause. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, always, that's why he's always lying on his side. <laughs> Well, a very exciting March um, that we're, we're, we're heading rapidly into the end of already. Um, so we're going to keep, keep an eye out on all of those things. And in the meantime, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hi. Uh, a question from David inspired by uh, last week's episode when Damon was talking about some unforgivable game design in Elden Ring for him personally. Reminder, it was his personal opinion about his experiences. He mentioned uh, that he he did not appreciate the lack of a pause button, which I will quickly uh, jump in to say before I jump into David's question. Um, I'll quickly say that there is actually a workaround. Um, if you hit the inventory menu, and then if you hit help, and then if you hit menu explanation, that's actually a workaround to temporarily pause the game. That might be patched out when from software realizes it's a, it's a workaround to to their uh, to their intended systems. But you can do that if you need to answer the door really quick and you don't have a good hiding spot. Or maybe um, they'll patch it the other direction and say, OK, this is silly. make it permanent. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will see when they when they finally take notice of that and when the next uh, patch is out. Um, but for now, David asks, what are some other unforgivable game design choices? Swain, should we start with you? For me, I think it's, but this is odd because I'm the type who I don't use IGN wikis, which are phenomenal and a whole team of fabulous people go in depth, helping you through the go game on. in a very reasonable <laughs> way. Um, but I never use strategy guides growing up. I turn all the messages off in Elden Ring. I don't want any of that. I don't want anything to interfere with the difficulty of me working my way like a little termite through the game. So for me, it's the fact that it's very common now, especially in open world games or horizon comes to mind when I'm working on a 3d puzzle, that's sort of a spatial puzzle, like a climbing puzzle in horizon, one of the ruins and Aloy will go, huh, there's a crate over there. I wonder if I could move it over here. And I'm like, I was so close to figuring that out. Why did you swoop in and destroy the joy of me finally surmounting that obstacle? Which I know is weird for me to say as someone who can't deal with the frustration of From Games. But for some reason, when it's uh, an organic puzzle that's part of the narrative, I just really hate uh, mid-game tutorials or the character organically telling you what to do by speaking to themselves. It just drives me nuts. So that Are you thinking about Horizon nice. right now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Horizon does it all the time. That's a good one. Yeah. They're too few, they're, have... they're they're too quick to jump in there. And then it's like then it's like insulting. It's like clearly on like a tight like okay, the, the player hasn't figured it out in like four minutes, so let's give them this audio cue. And it's like God, I was getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you just let Dan. me swivel the camera around long <laughs> enough. <laughs> um Justin, what are some of yours? Uh, I, I only have one that I could think of off the top of my head and, and it's not like truly unforgivable because there's a variety of game design reasons why you may or may not want to signal something to the player and so on and so forth. But like the one that really bugs me is, um, is if there's a point of no return in a, in a game, but you're not given a heads up that that's happening Ooh, yeah. and, then, and, and then you're locked oh, in yeah. and, mm. and I, I completely admit and acknowledge that if a game tells you hey, like if you have any business in town, you might want to wrap up before starting this mission. You better do it now. Like that's really lampshading that like you're entering the end game and maybe there's reasons why you might not want to signal to the player that that's happening. But like, you know, this is a video game. It's an interactive medium. And like the frustration that I feel when I miss 
something that I wanted to get done or was intending to get done, or I'm locked out of things um, that I, I don't feel like I had a fair shot of like knowing that that was going to happen. I find that deeply frustrating. Like games are too big of a time commitment and take too long to play to just realize after the fact, like, well, oops, like this thing that was 20 hours in, I can't go back and clean up now. Yeah, that's a frustrating one. And, you know, you'll create like 20 different saves just to make sure you have backups for that sort of thing. But it feels like in a modern world, we should be able to have solutions for that. They do it. That's why I love. Oh, sorry. They do it in two different ways. Like, you know, I just finished Cyberpunk last night and that game is really explicit. It like it's it says like this is the point of no return. Like Mm -hmm. if you start this mission, like this is it. Whereas other games usually like try to like have some in universe reason where like characters like. Mm, you know, like if you get, you, you, we might not be coming. Like in Yakuza, it's like if you get in this taxi, yeah. we might not be coming back to Kamarocho for a while. If you have any, any, you know, any unfinished, unfinished business. business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I like games with chapter selects because that, that's kind of a nice oh, yeah. workaround. And I like to revisit mm-hmm. certain levels, certain bosses. So mm-hmm. in general, any more like opportunity I have to look at the overview of the game and pinpoint where I want to go. I love that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let me ask the group this. Do you like getting spit back into the open world after you've completed the main campaign? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like that. It feels weirdly hollow to me. Or I'm mainly thinking of Fallout games. I don't like when I've already decided the fate of the society. Yeah. And then I well, walk around doing mini quests that are like, well, that's this true. is all insignificant. Yeah. But there's two, <laughs> different, there's two different flavors of that. One where it kicks you back to before the end of the game. And then one where you save mm-hmm. the world, right. but then are still in that like post save the world game state. Both of and there's are- a variation on the post save the world game state in which there's things that are harder than the end game. Yeah. So that that's what I really like is when there's like additional challenges, but they're side challenges. I think, I mean, I didn't I didn't play many of these games, but I'm pretty sure Final Fantasy is kind of famous. For oh, Aren't the there weapons. like harder bosses? Yeah, yeah the, the ruby weapons, weapon yeah. and the emerald weapon. That was so that, and I don't know if that's post game either. So I, maybe that's a bad comparison. But I'm just saying like when there's side things that are harder than the main thing, and you can start going towards those. I think that's awesome. Actually, Pokemon is famous for having post games. Yeah. Like big um, chunks of the games after the, the credits roll. Swim, you are right about the hollow. Like Cyberpunk does exactly that. Like I, I beat it last night. Absolutely loved it. For wow. me personally, it's like a 10 out of 10. I, I like I'm still awesome. like I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now that I've completed it. But it does like it kicks you back into the open world after this incredibly emotionally affecting ending. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, congratulations on beating our game and finishing the campaign. Here's um, some legendary gorilla arms. <laughs> this is that's your reward for beating it and i'm like oh and so then i went to a ripper and installed my gorilla arms and, and like did some rock'em sock'em and i'm like okay like this is like yeah you gotta try out those new weapons i love that yeah. sam what what's your uh unforgivable game design well uh you know to uh on a, on a more serious note i think that uh there's certain uh loot box schemes and mm-hmm. uh pay to pay to play pay to win type things which are like absolutely unforgivable oh yeah um you know like, and i think we, we're all aware of what those are i actually really don't like the idea of purchasing something with a random you know uh, way to unlock the thing like I, let me pay for what i want is basically what i'm saying i, I don't like the random mm-hmm. selection i know that has its roots in you know, baseball cards or whatever um i don't like that either so there you go um That's a good uh, uh, and then, but I was going to say there's like an extension of that, which is, I think, about to be more prevalent and is starting to be prevalent. Uh, but it's, it's kind of well, it's it happens in the same type of games, I should say. And that's that uh, always online games that don't need to. be. So if I have to log into a server 
to play a game that's single player. It's completely its own thing offline. I think that's a sign that there's something weird. Something's off there. And I don't, I don't want, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not singling out any games here, but like, I don't want data collection happening. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want to like have that be uh, some way to sell me something later. That's usually what that is. Um, and then also just like, why are you using my internet connection when, you know, when I bought this game and I'm playing by myself, like I, I hate that stuff. And there's, there's games that do that. And then on a lighter note, a funnier thing is that I, I this is kind of similar to Swam's, but I hate it when there's a, a clippy character, a tutorial character that's like constantly mm-hmm. in my ear talking. Mm-hmm. Genshin does mm-hmm. this actually. Um, where they're, And especially if they're annoying. And I know Navi's famous for that, but like play Ocarina of Time and like think about it. Like Navi says two things and like never. And it's like, you know, when you're locked on to something, it's kind of becomes a sound effect. There's games now where like somebody just chatters your off. I mean, Aloy does it herself. And that's like a big joke in mm-hmm. Horizon 2, right? She just talks to herself all the time and they they took they t- tone that down which is which is surprising um but yeah i don't i really don't like the you know you should really think about trying a dagger next time while i'm like in like a heavy firefight or something i think that's really silly maybe not as unforgivable as what i think uh eventually be illegal practices in games which would be Mm -hmm. you know predatory Mm -hmm. sales (laughs) things or the level gets really 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 hard unless you grind or Hey, to bring down yeah. the difficulty level mm-hmm. of that level. Yeah. I mean, well, there's another one, Michael. That's a really good example. The, another pay scheme that happens now is the free to play scheme of you. You have to pay to play this game or, or if, you, if you have to wait. Like, I think that's wrong. Like, I, I mean, like, I would rather be able to pay for a game. I would happily pay for a game. But like, if I can only play a game for 15 minutes and then either pay or wait till the next day, like, I don't like that. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's just not for me. I would have thought you would say unskippable dialogue. Oh my God. Horizon has that. <laughs> I was going to say the thing with Horizon is some of the dialogue skippable. Some it's of the all or dialogue's sometimes. unskippable. <laughs> and I Ugh. don't understand the difference or why one is one or and the other is yep. the other. It yeah. kills me. Yeah. Don't you love yeah, like, reading subtitles mm-hmm. and being able to skip dialogue though? <laughs> like when you get really yeah. good at that flow, it's like, but then I, and then I got on the, and then you're just like going through those and like you, you, I'm like, I'm absorbing this. This is great. This is great. I feel like I'm, I love the oh, day when there were no voice actors and it was just the blue pane of text and you would go, yep, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. You just go, man. It was great. But I was worst- nervous, like in a new game, like, am I, is this a button to skip just dialogue or is it going to skip the yep. entire cutscene? And you got to get bad. familiar with like, what is, how does Ooh. this game programmed? It's a- and you got to just do a crapshoot moment of, of like, mm-hmm. you know. It's a very, very tense moment of like mm-hmm. you hit start on a cutscene. I'm like, is this going to pause or skip? Yep. <laughs> Who knows? And nowadays they often have a like, you know, are you sure you want to skip? So I really appreciate yep. that warning message before I, <laughs> I will say experience. at first I was very annoyed by the transition to I have to hold buttons now to do things oh, mm-hmm. that feels less efficient than just pressing a button. But as we get better and better at it, I feel like certain developers use it really well. And the key example mm-hmm. is you have to hold this button to skip the cutscene, just so you can't do it by accident, because that exactly. definitely was a thing back in the day that you go, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't mean to press square. Oh, well, I guess I'll oh. never know what that was about. Sold all my weapons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oops. I have one more small one. It, it's not unforgivable at all. It's actually a very tiny thing, but this feels like the appropriate venue and discussion to bring it up. But it's <laughs> such a it's such a pet peeve of mine. If if a, on a game's title screen, if you literally have to press start instead of pressing any button. 
Like if I hit A and it doesn't go past the title screen, I have to hit yeah, start. That's right. I get so irrationally <laughs> angry by game. that. That's that. Yeah. I, well, I like, my irrational equivalent is if the the fir- like if you've started a game already, but the first menu option is start new game instead of continue game, uh, and you accidentally <clears> press that, and you're like, ah, what am I doing? <laughs> if there's a, I guarantee you that there's a correlation between like a game's Metacritic score and like if you have to hit start to start the game instead of hitting any button because it's like. <laughs> It, and it's not because that detail is important, but I feel like it foreshadows a lack of like mm. detail in like the <laughs> yeah. rest of the game to follow. Yeah. Impression. Right? There is a um, there is a, a game recently, and I wish I could remember what it was that had on the title screen the button to hit. It was like Y or whatever, uh, something stupid. Um, and then it was, but it had the symbol that you learn in the game, which is to hold Y. But if you tap it, you can't see that it's like only filling up part of it. So we had to do like a, a a guide page that was like, how do I get past the title screen? Because it was such a, a, a thing that people were searching because you had to hold a button to get past the title screen. Like, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a sign to, to get out. That's a how do I turn on my PlayStation 4 and not inject my disc level of, a, <laughs> of an issue? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, well, my unforgivable game design um, choice is uh, increasingly QTE. I just feel like we need to leave that behind us. I don't know. Uh, like, I understand it's it's getting a player more engrossed in a cutscene effectively, but I'm engrossed. I'm there, you know, unless I'm skipping your dialogue. So it's really just about, <laughs> like, creating these arbitrary mechanical moments that aren't actually all that mechanical. Um, but short of that, I, I, I think I would put unskippable, unskippable dialogue in mine as well. Or... This is less of a game design, like mechanic thing and more of a just general narrative direction thing. But when really momentous stuff happens in a cutscene, and it just makes like everything really anticlimactic, like you were you were preparing to get into a big battle and then it's just like, oh, it was resolved in a cutscene. I guess I just go into the open world now. I'm done with this, uh, I'm yeah. done with this game now, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. our last scoopic um, comes from Jared and Jared would... He says, he, I would love to hear the Scoop Crew's thoughts on influences in gaming. With Elden Ring and Horizon showing off two sides of open world gaming this month, is this a legacy left, behind, left by Breath of the Wild, Witcher 3, GTA 5, GTA 3? We all know what Metroid Prime and Doom meant to gaming, but what do the Omega Cops think are the most influential games of the last 10 years in terms of lasting design impact? Ooh, boy, this is like, too big of a question to answer in like, to the 10 minutes we have left. <laughs> I, I, I would say Breath of the Wild is increasingly looking like one of those games that we thought was going to influence everything, but didn't. Um, mm-hmm. And I like we talked about like, every, yeah. every game's going to have a nemesis system and then no game mm-hmm. had a nemesis oh, yeah. system. Like, you know, like open world games are never going to be the same after Breath of the Wild. Like they're all the same after Breath of the Wild. So <laughs> like, I hope that it's just the knock on effect hasn't quite fully gotten here yet, but it doesn't like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like open world games are, climb anywhere, go anywhere, complete freedom, you know, like that hasn't really materialized. Yeah. I don't know why not. They should be, but yeah, I completely agree with everyone who says that should be a thing. Uh, I have one that I think is true and one that I hope is true. I think Hades really solidified how you dispense chunks of story in a roguelite. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like roguelites are here to stay or definitely an established subgenre. And just the fact that even a loss represented an advancement of the story was such a big revelation that I think Hades will, in the fullness of time, uh, be really influential. Uh, One that I hope catches on, but I highly doubt it will, is uh, the feeling I had playing Disco Elysium was like nothing I've ever experienced in a game before in the sense that 
So every RPG has some combination <laughs> of the special system or the D&D system, strength, dexterity, endurance, charisma, and so on. Uh, and Disco Elysium had things like uh, Mind Cabinet or <laughs> The Streets. Uh, and I was thrown into a world where my confusion was not built around the mechanics or even the story but I didn't understand what I was putting points into. And it's funny because from games do that to me too. Like I, I don't fully understand what I do now, but it's needlessly complicated that I have a deck scaling weapon so I can up the deck scaling attribute from C to B. And that means that when I scale my dexterity up, it has a greater knock on effect on that weapon. I get it. I don't think it needs to be that complicated. And in fact, I think it's sort of an affectation. But man, I loved what Disco Elysium did. I wish more point-based RPGs threw me into a world where they're like, uh, what do you want to level up, Whimsy or Valor? And I'll be like, I don't know, but I'm having fun figuring it out. I really loved that about that game. Um, I think one of the things that's starting to emerge as a theme right now is um, like really creative, cool accessibility options. And I, I have trouble figuring out, I was trying to look this up a little bit, trying to figuring out like who was originating that. I think Last of Us did a really good job with it. And Tina, you might remember this. I think that was the one that highlighted items, right? Yeah, right? I think it was The Last of Us 2. There are a few games. But, oh, actually, too, yeah. Far Cry. The last Far Cry, Far Cry yeah. had a lot of spe uh, specific uh, new, like, you know, UI that you could turn on for that. Right. Too. And and there's like, sometimes there's like, you know, I mean, I think Horizon had some cool innovations there, too. Forza Horizon. Uh, uh, but um, the uh, that idea of like being able to play a game with like all these different like meters and levers for how you want to Speak, talking about the opposite of Elden, Elden Ring's influence, right? I think it's like it's it's you know the, the the other end of the spectrum, which is like like we we're so confident in our game and our engine that we're going to let people play with this. We're going to add a tool that lets them remove spiders entirely and replace them with blobs. Like I love stuff like that. That that makes a game a a game. It makes it um a playground like like cheats. You know, like I think that's really really good for games, and I think it's really good for. Um, to expand the amount of games that are that we play and or it's a reminder that games should be fun and however you want them to be. You don't you shouldn't have to be forced to play a game that you know induces misery. Now I will also advocate for Elden Ring introducing something uh which I think you know it series the, the kind of the Souls like series has, has introduced which I think sticks with games, which is the ability to, to skip all that and like not have a tutorial and just dive right in. I think that's awesome. Like please do that. Like that is a really cool also option like if there is like a a like a default setup i could choose for like i've i've played this i've played every assassin's creed game like you know throw me into it and it's like a little bit of a cool you know ramp that the combat is ramped up faster i can skip dialogue and you know i don't know just all these different settings could come to the you know like get me through the, the beginning of this game quicker like that's great i think that's mm -hmm. really cool and i think Elden Ring, like people do like that about that game and so that's awesome yeah, the lack of hand-holding. Speaking of, Alan, do we have uh, that image for, for B-roll that I shared that we can pull up? It's It happens to be relevant in this conversation. Cat? Do we have it? Has Lion, has Lion been there the whole time? No, she came just very recently, actually. Whoa. <laughs> and she's trying to find a way to sit here. I did Perfect. love in Dead Cells how you could switch your diet to vegetarian and instead of turkey legs for health. It was oh, yeah. Nice kale salad. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that about that. <laughs> one, one nice thing about 
cyberpunk a good bit of role playing is a lot of that game revolves around like you're going to sit around and drink beers before you go into battle or sit around and have a drink and like mm-hmm. debrief on what happened and you can always decline your character yeah, can, yeah, your character right. can always say like oh thank you and then it's I like not that. it's not a yeah. thing and that was a nice mm-hmm. nice tiny detail mm-hmm. i like how drinks look in that game actually like they don't look like realistic drinks they look like kind of like off but i like love how it looks it's just cool and sometimes yeah, your it- cup is across the room from you when you're holding <laughs> Uh, while Alan finds that image, if, if we don't have it, no problem. Um, but uh, Justin, in the interim, I forgot that there was one more scoopic, uh, personalized just for you um, from Jonathan. And Jonathan oh. wants to know, what is Justin's current status on Lego games and sets? Or did Cyberpunk take priority? Cyberpunk absolutely took priority. Like, <laughs> I loved it so much. Like, I, this is the first time in probably five years where, like, I finished it last night. And now I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Like I said earlier, like, I have that feeling of, like, I'm emerging from, like, a fog, like, back out into the world. Like, I have... <laughs> I have, you know, two to three hours to play video games a night and they've all been devoted to cyberpunk for weeks. <laughs> and now, um, and the world itself is like, you know, the game's not perfect. Like they make compromises to get it made, but like, it's absolutely an incredibly immersive game that like, you can really sort of sink yourself into. Um, and so now I'm like, I, I don't know, I guess I can get back to the Lego challenge. So if, anyway, to answer the actual question, I'm almost at the very, very end of Lego Batman one which is only the third Lego game. So this journey got completely sidetracked by cyberpunk and, you know, yeah, maybe now, I mean, I want to play like horizon and stuff too. So we'll see, but like um, maybe now would be a good time to pick it back up. Well, I mean, that's pretty impressive considering you've had cyberpunk in the middle of all of that too. Mm -hmm. And I think Alan does indeed have the image so we can pull that up for reference. Um, this is from a Reddit user. This is on the Elden Ring subreddit. And I think it was titled something like if Ubisoft had published Elden Ring. So this is the stark contrast of, you know, what we're pretty familiar with in, in current um, modern AAA games where you have quest markers, you've got a like fully formed map, you've got a quest log on the side, you've got all sorts of tutorial around the entire screen. And I think that is something that um, Elden Ring and, and games of its kind do really well is just not handholding you. and. letting you embrace the environment that it created for you yeah the press x to activate tarnished sense is my favorite yep (laughs) um although i do like i did take some pleasure like i don't i'm not really enjoying elden ring that much and like even the huge like i saw so many replies you're like i love all the fromsoft games i love dark souls like it would be nice to have numbers on my health bar so it's like even in this like joking meme there's some UI elements that <laughs> that super fans were like, yeah, okay, that might be okay. Enemies detected would be one I like. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, it is time for 20 questions. Let me just get myself ready here. There we go. That's I'm right. in mode now. Um, our suggestion this week comes from Mina from Rhode Island. Let the questioning begin. Ooh, I have to do a speed round. Also, this is the only hat that I found. It was just some random like swag leftover thing. So Yeah, Justin, if we need to finish kit? with you, we can. Um, I'm okay. I mean, I, I have a meeting I'd be a minute late for, so that's all. Go ahead. Go ahead, Swain. Does the main character wear a hat? Uh, <laughs> let me double check that. <laughs> oh, bringing it back. It's out of retirement. Yeah, seriously. Um. Wow, it's been a while. What do you define? Headwear a... of any kind. Yeah. Yep. I'll alter yes. it to that. Helmets yeah. count as hats. We've been down this road before. That's right. That's right. It's, it's been a while, so I don't remember antlers. what the rules are. Nope. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If it's a natural right, so growth yes. from the body, it doesn't count. <laughs> yes. Nope, proboscis. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, think it's a natural growth. Is this from before 2000? 
No. Uh, is it from before 1990? No. Oh, wait, wait. Well, hold on. Oh, sorry. You, you hit that question back. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. bad. I meant the, op- the other direction. From the before 2010. Before 2010. Uh, no. Okay, so fairly modern. Fairly modern. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to keep it, track of all these. Is this game on the Nintendo Switch? No. Uh, is it a platform exclusive? Yes. Oh, that's good. Uh, Sony exclusive. Yes. Okay. Is it exclusive to the PS4? Yes. Damn. Oof. Okay, so it's not Returnal. We wouldn't do that two times in a row. Uh, was this game developed in Japan? Developed in Japan, yes. Japanese PS4 exclusive. Well, it's not very many of those. Do you play it as a, a woman in this game? No. Well, uh, yes, sorry. It's hard to see. magic in this game. Mm. Technology mm. sufficiently mm. advanced is indistinguishable from magic. This is what, once you sit in the Damon chair, maybe we won't give him a hard time for not <laughs> it being challenging to answer Definitely. questions sometimes. It, it is sometimes. It's a, it's a memory thing, too. Um, I'm going to go with yes. Interesting. Um, was this game developed by a Sony studio? Like a first party? Was it a first party Sony game? Um... I don't. I'm gonna go with. Let me double check just to make sure because of the transitions. Um, no. Mm. So third party game, PS4 exclusive, made in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's that's the most that we sort of have our arms around right now. Mm. Is this, this game? Is, go go ahead. ahead. Oh, okay. I'll go. You. Does this game take place on Earth? Hmm. Go, 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 go. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I uh, read a lot about it to remind myself. I think it's a no, but I'm confirming. Wrong curveball. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a no. It's a no. Did this game get good review scores? Yes. Is this game played from a first-person perspective, primarily? N- no, and that's 15. 15? So, so fast. Are you sure? Yeah. Yep. Fifteen. I've written down all of them. Oh no! Hat. Yes. Oh boy. Um, is it on Switch? No. Platform exclusive. Yes. The news, Sony, Justin. Yes. You're going to make board. your meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, Fifteen. Uh, How do we know so little? Uh, I mean, if yeah, it's a you, PS. Yeah, you know, it's a PS4 exclusive. Um, Design to Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As magic. It's. Not on Earth. It was well reviewed. Is this part of a series? No. You can play as a woman. Mm-hmm. Was that was a yes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like if we're if we're gonna try to like game Tina a little bit, it sounds like maybe there's more than one person you can play as. Yeah. Or you design a character. Like partially through the game, you switch characters. Yeah. So you know what? This is probably like Tina likes as always likes the meta. So it's probably like Dark Souls, like Dark Souls three. Or something, right? Like where you where you design it. Is it does this game have a character creator in it? Hold on, hold on. It's okay, not part okay, of a series. Okay. Oh my bad. Shoot. I thought I, I thought I had it. Is this a FromSoft game? Yes. That's gotta help. I'm so glad you said that, Swain. 
So what? So so Bloodborne? Sekiro. Yeah, it, was, Bloodborne? it would be the Sekiro. Yeah. Or, or Sekiro. Well, is Bloodborne on? Yeah. Is Sekiro yeah. on Earth? I know. That's what I was going to back to. It was the Earth question. See, it's hard. Well, but it's a FromSoft game, so we can get it. Is this like? Is this? Does this game have uh, what we Earthlings would call like an Asian-inspired theme? No. Very tactfully asked. Well done, Jeff. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. So that means it's blood, <laughs> that means it's Bloodborne, right? Is if it's not part born? of us, well, but we can't. Swain, the rule is if you ask the game title and you're wrong, we lose. Oh, so we, I did not so, know that rule. Redact. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we need to be. Well, I don't think from you soft. Two more questions and a guess. It's got to be Wait, Bloodborne. I always forget. Is twenty? You get twenty full questions and then a guess, right? No, That's ni- what we get. Nineteen. You get nineteen. Okay, so you have. So one. you have one more question. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so know. It, I don't know. It's not Demon Souls because that was on PS3 and remade for five. It's got to be Bloodborne. I just don't know how to. Is this game largely about everyone being locked indoors because of a hideous pandemic? Is that what Bloodborne is? (laughs) Yeah, I haven't played it. Yes. Was that a yes? That's that's yes. Yeah, you're going and knocking on doors, and they're going, "I can't come out. Everyone's sick. It's a bloodborne disease." Is it Bloodborne? It is Bloodborne. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. That was a bit of a roller coaster. Nailed yeah. It. So, because um, I quickly like forgot that there's like a gender character, because uh, there's a character creator there and is, you can pick right. your gender. So you can play as a woman. Cool. And there isn't exactly like magical spells from your body, but there are spells that you yeah. can cast. Um, and then, yeah, the plague, it's it's a blood plague. Um, and so that's the pandemic relevant. I was just trying that, to pull uh, a COVID connection, make it relevant yeah, yeah. for everyone. No, it really worked. Yeah. <laughs> M- Michael, is this Earth? I have no, yeah, Yarnum. I don't know. I feel like it is medieval England, yeah, but it's definitely yeah, it's, a fictional world, and it's like based on a Lovecraftian like background and, and kind of like a Gothic Victorian thing. So it's got elements of it, but it's a completely fake world. So I figured yeah. not Earth. Mm-hmm. And also, you go back and forth into like the Hunter's Dream, which is this whole other like segment of reality. So and point of order. I th- oh, you said yes. Okay, great, because you do wear a lot of which hats one? in Bloodborne. <laughs> Yeah, but they're more like helmets and things. And yeah, yes, exactly. Sure. Yep. Nailed that one. <laughs> well, good job. You guys got it right at the Woo! end. Um, thank you, Mina, for your suggestion. Um, that is all the scoops that we have for you today. Don't forget that you can email Damon when he returns. I'll still be hosting next week. You can still email him if you miss him at gamescoop at IGN.com with topics and more suggestions for future 20 questions selections. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Swaim, special you. guest Swaim. And thank you, Justin and Alan behind the scenes. This is IGN Game Scoop logging off. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The heresies of Radolf Burntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.